We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So the 2023 NFL salary cap is officially set, as you heard at the top. The league has reportedly informed teams that the cap will be a record $224.8 million, which is up by almost $17 million from last year. That's a nice little bump, but Sarah, as we both know, it is not a big enough bump for the Ravens to go on a spending spree in the coming weeks. I mean, not only can they not go on a spending spree, Baltimore might have to go on a cutting spree. According to Ravens cap guru Brian McFarland, this new cap number, it leaves Eric DaCosta with just $27.8 million to play with. That's how things stand right now. Now, that would sound like a lot of money to go out and get free agents, but not with the holes that the Ravens still have on the roster, especially Bobby with quarterback not signed at this moment. What's crazy is that it wasn't all that long ago that Brian had the Ravens at about 47 million in space. But then Roquan Smith's deal was added to the puzzle along with escalators secured by Devin Duvernay and Justin Matavike, plus incentives that were hit by Calais Campbell, Marlon Humphrey, and Mark Andrews. And then... The front office also signed nine former practice squad players to 2023 contracts. So it's almost like you blink and the cap space was literally cut by 20 million. And that's where Eric DaCosta finds himself in. It's a little tight. Yeah, Bobby, this money all goes real fast. And you'll hear the lie repeated online every day. They'll say the cap isn't real, but it very much is real. Now, you can finagle it within like a five-year window, but by the end of those five years, bills come due. And it's also even more real in Baltimore because Baltimore has a GM in Eric DaCosta that doesn't like pushing his bills down the road. He's a man after my own heart. But here's the kicker. That $27.8 million that EDC can still play with, it doesn't include Lamar Jackson at all, and he's the big ticket item. And if he is indeed franchise tagged, that will cost the organization $45 million and change. We've covered that. The Ravens don't have anywhere near that available, as you just heard. Even if he is traded after the tag, which is a scenario that certainly is in play, the team still needs to make room for it temporarily. So to say they're in a tight spot is an understatement. Now... If they can agree to an extension to avoid the tag, 
things become much, much more doable. But even if he is signed to a long-term extension, Sarah, he would still easily take up most of the remaining cap space. Yeah, most of it, if not, I mean, almost all of it, maybe all of it, it can be a lot. So basically, at the end of the day, what we're setting up here, Bobby, is all these roads lead to one place. And that's asking other players to either redo their deals or wind up as cap casualties. And Bobby, I've been looking through the salary cap and everybody's contracts. And as far as I can tell, there are six Ravens currently under contract for 2023 that could get a call from EDC or at least their agent will. All right, let's get into this list. Who's at the top? I'll start with two that may not come as surprises. There's first Calais Campbell. Now, he's either going to retire or if he wants to come back and he's still trying to decide that, he's going to want to probably extend or restructure. Bobby, right now, his cap hit in 2023 is $9.4 million. And if he retires or if the Ravens cut him, it would create $7 million in cap savings. So we'll just see what he's going to do. He's one sack shy of 100 total for his career. He's still playing at a high level. And he didn't seem to want to hang it up. So we'll just have to see what happens there if he does want to return. And then the second name to start out with is Chuck Clark. That doesn't come as a surprise because, as we know, he looked to be traded last offseason. Now, his cap hit for next season is $6.3 million. Not as much cap savings, but it's about three point six, and every little bit will count. Uh, so he, Bobby, he was just one of four defensive players not to miss a single snap league-wide. So he's certainly playing at an extremely high level, but he might be a luxury with a role that could be decreased with the other safeties on the roster. So it would not surprise me if a trade were to happen there, if EDC could pull one off. Yeah, both Calais and Chuck, we, we know this. They were important pieces to the defensive puzzle this year in Baltimore, and both would certainly be a welcome sight to see return, even if it is unrealistic at this point in time, based on some of the numbers that you just combed through. Calais, year 15, now down. Man, a big decision to make for he and his family. And meanwhile, even Chuck himself didn't seem all that confident about returning to the Ravens during his locker room clean out at the end of the season earlier this month. So we'll see if a trade is in the works as it was rumored to be last off season. That's something to, to monitor of course, but uh, that's two of the six on your list, Sarah, who else is potentially at risk? All right. These next two might sound a little bit more surprising, but I definitely think something will have to give with their contracts first. Devin Duvernay. Uh, he's somebody that could be cut or EDC could approach for an extension and extend out his cap hit for 2023, which right now is $4.5 million. And Bobby, if they cut him or moved on from him, they would save $4.3 million, almost all of it. They would only lose 221000 And I know it seems weird to mention him as a third rounder who's still on his rookie contract, but he did hit his escalator as a pro bowler, but that was as a returner not as a wide receiver. So $4.3 million is kind of a big number for a guy that could be the number three or number four. That's where you'd actually hope he'd be, assuming that upgrades are coming as the Ravens promised at the end of season presser. Now, the second name that might be surprising, Gus Edwards. 
And that's because his cap hit is $5.6 million, and they could save $4.4 million of that if they were to move on. Bobby, that's kind of big money for really any running back in the passing era these days, let alone a number two running back. I don't want to see any of these guys go, but I'm telling you with how tight things are in the Lamar, Lamar situation, those are two contracts that they may have to address. Sarah, who's the final two on your list? So let's start with Michael Pierce and his cap hit in 2023 is 5.9 million, which is pretty hefty for him. And the but the cap savings isn't very much, Bobby. It's 2.1 million, and the dead money is more than that at 3.8. So it almost seems like it wouldn't be smart to go after him with these numbers I'm giving you. But he had a season-ending torn bicep in week three. That means he played in just 11 games over three years. He just hasn't been available. And then there's Travis Jones coming up who could replace him going into his second year. And then Kevin Zeitler, I mean, he's been he's been incredible. He, he played at a Pro Bowl level. Uh, he's somebody, though, that has a big cap hit at $9.5 million. Moving on from him would save $6.5 million. Now, I don't think they will move on from him, especially when Ben Powers is probably going to be lost to the market. But he is 33 years old and he's going into his 12th season. So you'd like to see an extension, but you'd have to see if he wants to play longer than this next year in his 12th season. All right, Bobby, the first legitimate rumbling regarding Lamar Jackson's immediate future in Baltimore is now in play. So let's go. Give us the update. Well, first, Sarah, I think it's safe to say this won't likely be the first or last rumbling as we approach the new league year in March. But NFL Network's Ian Rappaport did have this to say Tuesday on the Pat McAfee show. Yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson is going to be tanked. I, I will exclusive or non-exclusive. I don't definitely. I don't firmly know the answer. My sense is it would be the exclusive. Okay. Because here's why. So yeah. if they give him the non-exclusive tag, then someone can sign Lamar Jackson to an offer sheet and get him with the price of two first rounders. If it's the exclusive tag, it costs Baltimore more. However, if at some point. And I don't think they will, but at some point they ever want to trade them, they set the price. So it'd be two, it'd be more than two first rounders. So if we get the exclusive tag, it basically raises the price in the event of a trade, which I don't think is going to happen. Yeah. Okay. So Bobby, this is a pretty obvious move that the Ravens have to make in my mind because if the two sides can't get a deal done, there is no chance, none, that the Ravens would just let Lamar walk and only get a late third round compensatory pick in return. So this move would ensure that they have more control over the situation and get something big time in return if he leaves. Now, there is still hope that a long-term extension between Lamar and the Ravens can be reached, even though that prospect dwindles by the day. But as the team indicated in the end-of-season press conference, number eight isn't expected to be going anywhere outside of Baltimore anytime soon. And one way of ensuring that to be the case is via the exclusive franchise tag. You know, Sarah, we've been turning to our guy, Brian McFarland, of course, Baltimore's unofficial Ravens salary cap analyst, quite a bit in recent days. And for good reason, this is his time of year, and we're definitely looking forward to having him on the pod soon. But he recently shed some light on what this report would mean for Lamar and the franchise. And I know we both found this information to be super helpful in terms of truly understanding what the next couple months of business are expected to look like. So here's McFarland, courtesy of Russell Street Reports front office. If you tag exclusive, 
the initial number that counts is the non-exclusive number. The exclusive number gets set in stone, uh, again, based on when, when the Ravens tag and any changes that happen, but it gets set in stone the last day of the re restricted free agent period, which is five days before the draft. Uh, that's when that number gets set in stone. Until then, actually, he would count at the $32.5 million. Now, you're still going to have to come up with the $13 million if you're keeping him on, on the tag. You still have to come up with the $13 million down the road, you know, before the, right before the draft. But it does give them a little flexibility as far as cap goes. To, you know, it gives them a little more time, maybe, better way of saying it, to kind of figure this out. So that's one of the little nuances uh, of the way this works, which probably allows them to, you know, okay, well, we're going to put the exclusive on you. You're only going to, for the time being, you're only going to count at the non-exclusive number, and we're going to see what's out there. I just think that gives them, more control over the process. I mean, obviously, again, they're going to have to have that $13 million in their pocket if nothing, if they don't move him uh, or he's staying one way or another. He intends to stay. But I just think that gives them a little control over the process. And if a team with the, you know, and there's, I don't think there is one out there, but the team with the 28th pick, you know, wants to sign him to an offer sheet for two first round picks and they're a good team and he's going to make them even better, then you, that's not, that's not, value those two first round picks or low first round picks probably that's not really great value they're going to want to be okay we want to go to tech we want to go to the we want to go to the texans and we want to go to atlanta teams that have you know top 10 picks and you want lamar and you know and and okay you lamar you want to go to atlanta atlanta wants you you know let's work this out but i just think that gives them a lot more control over the process all right. So basically speaking monetarily, placing the exclusive franchise tag on Lamar is technically the equivalent of doing the same as that of a non-exclusive tag, at least until late April comes around. Right. And even with the distinction of an exclusive tag, Sarah... It still goes in on the books initially as the same number as a non-exclusive tag, which buys the organization some time, over a month to be exact, to try and work out a long-term extension, despite that feeling so far out of reach right now. And remember, the Ravens only currently have $28 million in available cap space, which means regardless of which tag we're referring to here, the exclusive is expected to come in around $45 million and change or the non-exclusive at $32 million and change. Both would put Baltimore over the cap. And as we discussed on Tuesday's Morning Vault, episode number 166 in the archives, Eric DaCosta has some tough decisions to make in the cap casualty department in order to make room for this reported franchise tag. But Sarah, it's still doable. And as Brian noted, a long-term extension isn't dead in the water yet. So a lot of Baltimore's roster for 2023 is already in good shape, as we know. But we also know the work that needs to get done at the wide receiver position. Even John Harbaugh vowed a near complete makeover during his end of season press conference. The one area that needs to be you know, built is the, is the wide receiver room. So that'll be a new room. Basically, there'll be pieces of it still there. You know, you know the guys. And then we'll be adding a lot of pieces to that room, and there'll be competition too. So that'll be the room that'll start together in this new offense, and we'll build with those guys. So I think, you know, you're talking about 75% of the offense is intact, and 25%, and it's all in the same room, will be new. And that's probably pretty normal. Harbs for sure said all the right things there, but now the work has to be put in. And the Ravens will use all avenues at their disposal to be creative, but 
One of the most obvious places to look for help will be in free agency when the new league year begins on March 15th. So here's the thing, though, Bobby. I've started to get a look at the receivers who are about to hit the market, and there are certainly guys who could help. I mean, it's hard to get worse from how the Ravens season ended, but there's no home run hitter in this class of 2023 free agents. Yeah, and I know we both saw ESPN's list of the top 50 free agents, and probably the first thing that sticks out is that you have to scroll all the way to number 21 on the list to get to the first wide receiver. And there's only four total receivers in the top 50, Sarah. So what do we make of it? Well, well, just so we're not thinking that ESPN is the end-all, be-all. I also took a peek at CBS Sports, same version of this list, and they only had five receivers in the top 50. And then Pro Football Focus, they only had two. So don't write off the free agents, but the Ravens will certainly be looking at the draft as well as the veteran trade market to help augment this receiver room all right we'll definitely carve out some time to look into those two avenues another day but for now let's dig into the top wide receivers set to hit the market the current market so give me the top two to start from espn's top 50 list there all right probably the consensus top receiver is patriots jacoby myers now he's a former undrafted rookie from 2019 and has worked his way all the way up to being the top receiver in new england the last two seasons surpassing the 800 yard milestone each time He notched a career-high six touchdowns last year, and he'll be at the prime age of 26 when entering the 2023 season. And he's considered a nuanced route runner with strong hands, measuring in at 6'2", 200 pounds. He plays in both the slot and outside. And at the end of the day, while he was the number one receiver for Bill Belichick's squad, I wouldn't call him the true number one receiver that Ravens fans have been clamoring for. Now, next on the list is... Juju Smith-Schuster, who we all know well from his time with the Steelers. Juju has signed one-year deals in each of the last two seasons, betting on himself to get a strong long-term extension. And he had a nice year with Patrick Mahomes and KC, which is still going as they prepare for the Super Bowl. Juju finished the regular season with 933 receiving yards and three touchdowns. And even though he'll be entering his seventh NFL season, he's just 26 and is a valuable commodity over the middle of the field. So, Bobby, he'll be looking for big money in a weak free agent class, so he just might get what he's searching for. Which is exactly why I doubt there would be a Smith-Schuster-Ravens marriage. I mean, come on. They aren't likely to fork over big money. Not to mention, Juju already turned down Baltimore's front office for less money to go back to Pittsburgh in 2021. Now, as for Jacoby, I just don't see that fit financially speaking either. As the top receiver on the market, you have to expect there's going to be bigger bidders out there calling his name. But Sarah, who are the final three players on your list? All right. Well, we've got Odell Beckham Jr., who we debated quite a bit last season. And we all know what he's capable of as a three-time Pro Bowler and Super Bowl champion. The questions about him are more about his health after missing nine games in 2020 with the torn ACL. And then he toured the same ligament again the next season in the Super Bowl, forcing him to miss all of 2022. Now, it seems as if he's trying to reassure teams that he's well on his way to getting back healthy because he posted a video of himself working out just on Tuesday. He ran a route featuring some cuts, caught the ball, and then went straight up field and 
definitely outran the cameraman. He also posted on Twitter, quote, I swear I'm loading. Nowhere near I want to be, but exactly where I need to be, close quote. And then finally, there's Lions receiver DJ Shark, who is a vertical threat that features a big body at six foot four, 198 pounds. Now, Bobby, he only had about 500 yards last season after missing six games to injury, but he can be a touchdown threat and can win jump balls on the outside. Okay, so it is a somewhat underwhelming list, but these guys will all be contributors elsewhere. It's just a matter of where. And there are several other players that will be available, including Green Bay's Alan Lazard, Kansas City's McCole Hardman, and New York's, that's the Giants, Darius Slayton. Anybody you like best out of that group? Yeah, Bobby, there's nobody that I'm jumping up and down over, uh, but all of them would be an upgrade right, for the Ravens wide receiver crew. Now, obviously, I was high on OBJ last season, but that was partly because I thought it would be a bargain for just a couple of games and then for a postseason run. So at this point, I think a few of these guys would ideally be a number two receiver. But as Ozzie Newsom always said, right player, right price. And let's be honest, too. I mean, the front office is going to have to sell itself to some of these guys, Sarah, because we know the Ravens have developed a reputation for not being receiver friendly over the years. So whoever they end up hiring at offensive coordinator and obviously the status of Lamar Jackson, both will have a major, major impact on whether any marquee receiver will want to come to Baltimore. But still to come here on the vault, speaking of offensive coordinator candidates, it's time for another OC profile. And this time around, it's Dallas Cowboys quarterbacks coach, Doug Nussmeyer. All right, Bobby, give us the lowdown on Cowboys QBs coach Doug Nussmeyer. Yeah, so he actually just recently left Dallas in what was described as a mutual parting of ways after three seasons as the quarterback's coach and one year as tight ends coach. But here's something that he does have that some of Baltimore's other candidates haven't. That's experience calling plays, Sarah. Nussmeyer has served as offensive coordinator for five college programs, most notably Alabama, and Michigan. Dare I ask, was there any overlap with Jim Harbaugh during his time in Ann Arbor? Yeah, Sarah, this one's designed for the fans out there who think every hire John Harbaugh makes and every interview he conducts comes directly from the Harbaugh to Harbaugh tree. Not this time around, though. Nussmeyer called plays for the Wolverines in 2014 before bolting for the same role at Florida. And we know Jim Harbaugh didn't get back to his alma mater until 2015. All right, so bye Bobby, what do we think led to his departure in Dallas? So my understanding is that Nussmeyer's exit went hand in hand with offensive coordinator Kellen Moore's exit, who, by the way, wasn't unemployed for very long at all. The Chargers scooped him up almost immediately to serve as their next OC, which we talked about recently. But Sarah, the umbrella over those two moves is this. It's the fact that Cowboys QB Dak Prescott tied for the NFL lead in interceptions in 2022 with 15. And keep in mind, he missed five games due to injury. Certainly a far, far cry from his franchise record, 37 touchdown passes and just 10 interceptions the year prior. But Sarah, we know how this goes in Dallas. The national media coverage and overall stage shines bright. And I'd have to think that both Moore and Nussmeyer fell victim to Dak's inability to protect the football. Does 
Ravens wide receiver Demarcus Robinson, does he know something that we don't? Right. It would appear so. I'm not sure. But uh, what we do know is that D-Rob is a pending free agent who signed with the team last offseason on a one-year deal. Yet... As you mentioned at the top, partner, based on some of his recent social media posts, he's coming across as awfully confident that he's expecting to return to Baltimore next fall. All right, Kay. So for those that don't know, go ahead and explain what these posts entail specifically. You're really going to make me read these captions? Of course. Give the people what they want. Let's go. All right. All right. Here we go. I can already, everybody's getting their screen recording ready on the other end, right? They're going to blast me on social for this and my accent and you name it, but here goes nothing. DeMarcus left a comment on one of Rashad Bateman's recent IG posts that read the following, quote, next year we finna be too litty, close quote. (laughs) He also tweeted a photo with backup QB Anthony Brown with the caption that read, quote, Ravens going to be special next season, close quote. All right, Bobby, you nailed it, I feel like. I feel like you did a good job. I thought so, too. Thank you. But in all seriousness, the point is clear, right? We're still a month plus out from the start of free agency, and despite not being under contract, DeMarcus thinks he's coming back to Baltimore. Now, remember, just last month, John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta both vowed to essentially retool the Ravens' wide receiver room. The one area that needs to be, you know, built is the is the wide receiver room. So that'll be a new room, basically. There'll be pieces of it still there. You know, you know the guys. And then we'll be adding a lot of pieces to that room, and there'll be competition too. So that'll be the room that'll start together in this new offense, and we'll build with those guys. So I think, you know, you're talking about 75% of the offense is intact, and 25%, and it's all in the same room, will be new. And that's probably pretty normal. That makes me happy because... I feel like we got a lot of guys that know ball and have had a lot of experience here. And, the, and that room that you're talking about, the wide receiver crew, room, can be built up. And, you know, that's, those are pieces we can give Lamar and give him a chance to really thrive. Well, it's certainly something we're going to look at. You know, obviously, uh, this season didn't end up the way we wanted it to. We had some injuries, obviously, with, with Bate and with Devin. Um, you know, uh, we traded Hollywood last year. So we definitely took on some water this year at that position. We'll continue to look at that, you know, via free agency and the draft. And our role is really to just to find the best guys that fit our situation. And, um, you know, we hear the fans, we hear you guys with the questions. Um, certainly our goal is to build the very best team we can build. And, you know, last year, one of our key, I think, missions was to build the offensive line back. And we feel excited about that and the way that we were able to do that in different ways. We think we're very, very close to building a championship team and everything that goes with that. And so we'll, we'll do that. We'll do that this offseason. Um, you know, and that'll be through the draft, through free agency, potential trades and things like that. But we will build the best team we can to compete every single week. All right. So, Bobby, seriously, would you welcome DeMarcus back to Baltimore if you were the GM, if you were EDC? Oh, absolutely. But... He'd have to be willing to sign up for another year on a short-term, borderline veteran minimum kind of deal in order for it to make sense monetarily. When you look at the numbers, Sarah, and availability he posted from 2022, he was a total bargain for Baltimore. And unlike past veteran wide receivers they've signed in the past, he played in all 17 games. I see him being a valuable depth piece in 2023, assuming he makes a full recovery from his sports hernia surgery he underwent earlier this week. That was according to one of his Instagram posts. I don't know why he wouldn't, but just wanted to throw that out there. I mean, look, in a perfect world, the Ravens 2023 pass catcher room looks like this. 
in no perfect order. Rashad Bateman, a wide receiver picked up via free agency, a wide receiver selected in the first, you heard this, first round, you heard that right, first round of the draft, Devin Duvernay, Demarcus Robinson, and whoever wins the training camp battle between James Prochet, Andy Isabella, and Tylen Wallace. That's all I'm saying. All right, that doesn't sound like too much of a remake, but I got you. Still to come here on The Vault, Eric Bieniemy to Baltimore? Well, based on a new report, the possibility of that coming to fruition is still very much in play. So we're two weeks into Baltimore's search for its next offensive coordinator, and there have been 11, count them, 11 reported interviews with various candidates, and that's just the ones we know about. There's probably been many more behind the scenes that haven't been leaked, which means John Harbaugh is making good on his promise to cast a wide, wide net. Yeah, he definitely is, but we do have conflicting thoughts on one of the more well-known names among OC candidates, and that's Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Now, ESPN's Adam Schefter reported a couple days ago that the Ravens requested an interview with Bieniemy, but he's also a candidate for the Colts head coaching opening. So the question becomes, if Bieniemy does not get a head coaching gig, why would he make a lateral move to the Ravens to be an offensive coordinator when he has the same job in Kansas City with another star quarterback and they always seem to be in the Super Bowl mix? Well, NFL Media's Ian Rappaport gave the latest for the answer on that question and Bienemy's status with several teams while he was a guest on the Pat McAfee show. I think Bienemy's really in play for a play calling OC job couple different places you know Baltimore I think the commanders is really one to consider and like so you'd be like well he's already an OC why would he leave Mahomes he shares play calling with Andy Reid I mean he does a lot of it but he shares it uh, if that's were, breaking say, news again yeah you said this before that is massive news if that's the case I think that is out there I mean, I, I don't because the conversation is always Andy Reid does all the play calling. Know that. Is that true? Is that factual statement? He also does call plays. I just know he he does a lot. Like, does he physically say the words to the quarterback? Probably not. But I know he's very, very, very involved. But it's different when you're. What's let's that say mean? He's a play That's calling play. What's that mean, <laughs> Rapshi? Let's say he's a play calling OC for a defensive head coach like Ron Rivera or for John Harbaugh. It does put him in a little bit of a different category, and it sets him up maybe to be a better head coach in the future in the minds of the owners, even though I think that's kind of dumb because being a head coach has almost nothing to do with whether or not you call plays. It's all like leadership and such. All right, a couple takeaways from that. First, as long as Biennemi is in the running for that Colts head coaching job, there's no way he's taking an OC position here in Baltimore or anywhere else. Second, if he doesn't get named a head coach, it makes perfect sense to me to come to a place like Baltimore or elsewhere as the sole play caller so that he can get out from Andy Reid's shadow. And finally, the third takeaway is that as long as the Ravens are interested in the enemy, this process will last until after the Super Bowl has concluded. You know, Sarah, what's interesting is that just a few hours before Rappaport was on Pat's show, a Ravens fan asked Ed Reid on Twitter about his thoughts on Biennemi interviewing in Baltimore, and he replied with this. Ed did, quote, not going to happen. 
I know his answer is vague, and I don't know if he means that an interview won't happen or just that ultimately Bieniemy won't be hired by Harbs throughout this process. But I will say this: I was contacted by a former player who I trust, and he said to me that. Reed really isn't plugged into the Ravens' business dealings in the matter whatsoever. So while I obviously respect and appreciate Ed's opinion, take that for what it's worth. And, well, Bobby, regardless, it's not like this is a enemy or bust situation, right? As you mentioned up top, there have been at minimum 11 interviews to date, and there are several qualified candidates. If you ask one of the Ravens' former offensive coordinators, and remember him, Marty Morningweg, hasn't been too long since he was the O.C., he doesn't think Harbaugh should be casting a net as wide as he has been. And he gave a big endorsement to an internal candidate. Yeah, I'm surprised that they're interviewing guys that I've never heard of. Look, they need a man that understands the importance of three things, really. Uh, the, the importance of a precision passing game. That's first. And then, and then the importance of a Lamar Jackson, the threat of him running. So, so you rely on the running game and Lamar Jackson not only to pop off some big plays, but just for the threat. That pulls defenses apart, the threat of the great Lamar Jackson uh, running with the football. And then the third thing would be the importance of a healthy quarterback, right? So, so you've got to have a really good feel. So, so I really think a man like James Urban, who's in-house, who knows and understands the importance of those three things and understands – all of Lamar's strengths and what his weaknesses are. You go outside, you're experimenting just a little bit. So, yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that it's gone this long. Well, it's not surprising to me that Marty is going to bat for James Urban. After all, Morningweg did have a hand in bringing Urban to Baltimore from Cincinnati in the first place back in 2018. Those two guys worked with each other back in their Philadelphia days. But personally, Bobby, Urban wouldn't be my first pick. Bobby, Urban has been Lamar Jackson's quarterback coach for five seasons now. And the way it seems to me is that Lamar actually comes back from the offseason with better quarterback techniques, better passing techniques. And then I just don't see Urban taking him to higher levels. I mean, Lamar's already playing at high levels, but has Urban taken him to higher levels? Now, to be fair, Urban has been stuck within the confines of Greg Roman's offense too, but... At the end of the day, I'd love to see a fresh set of eyes come into Baltimore and bring a different perspective to this offense led by Lamar Jackson, assuming he plays here in 2023. Thanks for listening to The Morning Vault. We created our show to keep you plugged into all things Ravens. If you've been enjoying our content, please consider joining one of our membership platforms at patreon.com backslash Ravens vault podcast. As you probably know by now, we have been betting on ourselves by creating content independently from any big broadcast station or corporation. And with your membership support, you'll give us a shot at continuing to churn out daily Ravens content for years to come. Yeah, and a special shout out to our newest patron, Dion Coleman. We appreciate your support. And we'd also love to hear comments and questions or if you'd be interested in advertising. So you can reach us by email via Baltimore Ravens Vault at gmail.com. That is all the time we've got today, but the vault will be back Monday morning with the Ravens news 
you need to know. 